Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, our kink panel discusses rules, negotiations, and compromises in alternative relationships, whether we're talking about BDSM, power exchange relationships, whether we're talking about open, uh, non-monogamous, consensual non-monogamous relationships. Uh, we're going to talk about how do you establish the rules and what works for one couple may not work for another couple, but how do you go about doing that? That's coming up next, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Before I get into answering some of your questions, I want to remind you that we are only a few weeks away from our big 20-year anniversary uh, bash uh, here and the live broadcast, so August 23rd in the evening. This is a will be a VIP event, so it's by invitation only or winners only because space is limited. So we every night I'm giving away tickets to the event, and all you have to do is text me at 514-800. Uh, you can email me as well if you'd prefer. Just go to laurie at drlaurie.com uh, to email me and tell me why you'd like to be invited. And we uh, will pick some names out every single night up until uh, the event on August 23rd, Friday night. We're going to have all our regular contributors who will be there. So you'll be able to speak with them, interact with them. In fact, our kink panel will have a booth set up even to show you because obviously radio is not very visual, but they will bring some of their paraphernalia that the, we have talked about here on the show. Uh, we'll also have performances by Stephen Voice, Melissa Platt, Dolly Blonde, all contributors to the show. Dan Laxer will be emceeing the event. Um, Eric Waugh, who's a world-renowned artist, will be doing a live painting, hopefully doing something sexy, um, which we uh, will go up for auction. Plus, we've got some great prizes to win. Uh, we'll play Dirty Minds, I think. I'm going to just uh, bounce this off Dan and see how he feels about, you know, reading these dirty clues and doing that. Uh, the whole uh, event will be a dessert reception uh, sponsored by Cook and Date. The place will be decorated by Poppin' Balloons. It's going to look great. Uh, and we've got some amazing um gift certificates to be giving away and prizes and sex toys and, and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a really fun celebration. So if you'd like to go, text me at 514-800 and tell me why you'd like to go. All right, first question. If you are diagnosed with HPV, so the human papillomavirus, after 15 years of marriage, taking my regular pap test yearly, is it safe to say that my husband is or has cheated? See, this is a really good question. The thing about HPV is that it can lay dormant for decades, uh, even up to like 25 years. It can lay dormant, not show up at all, and then show up on a pap test. So it, uh, it is not safe to say, or at least to say categorically, that uh, your partner has infected you during the course of your marriage. You could have been infected years before. However, if your partner is your only sexual partner and you've never had any play below the belt with anybody else except this partner, that's a different story. 
at that point, uh, your partner uh, infected you, but that also doesn't mean he, he might have been infected before and it could lay dormant as well. And um, although I have to double check on, on the transmission for guys, if uh, because I know HPV can, can be asymptomatic, so he could have given it to you at the beginning of the relationship, not knowing. Usually, sometimes you get no symptoms whatsoever for, for many of them. Uh, and so and 15 years later, oh, you get a pap test that's abnormal. So that, ha- that, does, that does happen. Good evening, Dr. Lori. I'm an older woman dating a younger man. Uh, the sex is outstanding, but lacks foreplay slash afterplay. How to say I need, want this? Um, and I don't know where it continues. All right. Uh, so, uh, first of all, when sexuality, you, you've got to be able to talk about it, right? You want to be able to say, this is what I like. This is what I need. Um and not be shy about ta- just putting it out there, uh, about saying what it is that you need. Oftentimes, younger men uh, will say that they like being with older women because older women know more about what they like, and they appreciate uh, that they're being directed. Like They appreciate that she can say, hey, this is what I like. Why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? So ask for the foreplay. Tell your partner, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's spend time on foreplay. Here's how to touch my uh, vagina or here's how to touch my clitoris. Uh, Here's what I like. How about a little bit of oral sex back and forth, you and me, me to you, you to me. So being able to have those conversations is, um, is important if you want to have uh, a satisfying uh, sex life. Texter writes in, hello, I'm mostly only listening for the kink parts, and I really like it. It's super interesting, and I'd love to celebrate the 20th anniversary there. All right, uh, I forgot to say, please include your name in the text. So send me your name, whoever sent me this text. When you text me and you want to go, just include your first name so we know who we're speaking to, and you will be contacted. Our winners will be contacted by, uh, by, by my assistant. So there you go. Uh, I recently uh, found out that my 17-year-old son uh, is not attracted to girls. To make a long story short, I will always love uh, my son no matter what, but my husband is having trouble with this. When I found out from my son that he is gay, I did not tell my husband. Instead, I explained the circumstance that made me suspect that our son could be gay, uh, and my husband did not react well. He does not think it is possible to be attracted to the same sex and that our son must need psychological help. He also feels like we or he must be uh, responsible for this, that we did something wrong during um, his upbringing. My heart breaks at the thought of him rejecting our son. Uh, I cannot stand by him if he does that. I have to find a way to get him to open his mind to the reality of what our son's sexual orientation is, but I don't know where where to turn. Right now, I do not want to reopen the discussion until I have a strategy figured out. Uh, there's a good book that I um, send people to or that I, I recommend to people. Um, it's a book by uh, Gerald Bain, and it's called, it's, it's an old book, so I don't know if you'll be able to find it, but it is, uh, it's called So Your Child is Gay. Uh, 
Uh, and it goes, it's a really great book for parents. Uh, of course, you're going to need support. Your husband's going to need support. Your son may be shocked at his father's reaction since kids today are so much more accepting and more and more kids are, are coming out to their peers and, and teachers with actually good responses. But I think your son is going to need to be prepared for a possible negative reaction. So I say, yeah, do see a psychologist with your son. Have your son see somebody, you see somebody, maybe with him to help you find a way to open this discussion uh, with your husband. I think um, that may be something. There are also support groups for parents and, and something that your husband may appreciate and at least maybe meeting uh, other other parents whose children have come out and they're having difficult time. Uh, so there are definitely places to go. If you're on the West Island, the Beaconsfield, um, it's called the West Island LGBTQ Center out in Beaconsfield has all kinds of groups for kids, for parents, for uh, for everybody really, uh, and offer some really good uh, good support. So you can look that up. Coming up next, our King panel uh, joins me. We're going to talk about rules and compromises and negotiations in all of these alternative types of uh, relationships. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Alternative sexuality, our kink panel in studio. Always excited to have them. We always have interesting conversations. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, alternative relationships, not just alternative sexuality, but alternative relationships, meaning also open relationships. My understanding is that many times uh, BDSM relationships are often consensually non-monogamous, so we can talk about that and why, therefore, we so need rules and the ability to negotiate. It's a skill. It's a skill. Studies have already shown us, uh, and there's numerous of these studies, that people who uh, engage in alternative sexual lifestyles are better communicators. They have more satisfying um, sex lives because they also communicate better with their partners and uh, on some certain levels are actually healthier than non-alternative uh, couples. And if you need those studies, just send me an email. I'll forward you those studies because oftentimes people say, well, what are you talking about? What studies? You know, and they don't want to believe me. But if I say it, it's because I've read them. I promise you. But if you want the actual study, I will send it to you. I promise. Uh, Pierre and Catherine of BDSMCircle.com are here. Dane Stewart is here. He's an advocate for the human pup community. Of course, you can ask questions to uh, all our folks here. Whatever you want, they will answer. Uh, Gary Major is here. He's a longtime kinkster into body modification, so another form of all alternative kind of stuff. Uh, he works at Mr. Bear, which is a fetish store in the village. So if you want to know about paraphernalia, he can talk to you about that as well. Welcome, guys. Hello. Welcome. Hey. Hello. And I can't wait to see your booth, you guys, at our uh, 23rd, <laughs> our 20th anniversary party. So I promised our listeners that you're going to entertain them and answer <laughs> questions <laughs> with your stuff. All, right? All the stuff we've talked about here, but uh, have never been able to show, <laughs> right? Because it's radio. 
fun. <laughs> it's not going to be well, fun. Not everything we've talked about. I mean, about not everything. We can't show yes, everything, but we can true. show lots. Some interesting <laughs> things for sure. Right. Are you going to dress up for us, Catherine? I, you'll be a surprise. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, it'll be interesting. And you'll, you'll get a kick out of just seeing our contributors live and in person. We've talked about, you know, Gary and his <laughs> tattooed body. Well, you're going to get to, to actually meet him. And uh, he'd be really good in a selfie with you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> Um, all right. Am I? Is it right? Am I? Is my thinking right when we talk about uh, kink relationships, BDSM relationships? That oftentimes they are in consensual, non-monogamous format. Most times, yes. Most times, yes. Yeah. Usually. Mostly because, uh, like, like most. Well, I, I I identify as poly, and so most of my relationships are open in some sense, and it's mostly for me. I seek out relationships for different requirements in my life or different things that I'm looking for um, and usually trying to have a romantic relationship with a dominant kind of blurs a line sometimes so keeping the dominant relationship separate from say a boyfriend relationship okay. makes it a lot easier for me and your partner is fine with that completely yeah I, I go into every relationship completely open to what I'm already in right so whoever you choose to date or whoever chooses to date you will know this off off the top. Like, oh, yeah. I, this oh, is sure. me. I'm not a monogamous person. Yeah, it's like first conversation for me. Okay, good. So that's like an established mm -hmm. boundary right there. Like this is non-negotiable. Yep. Right, for you. But it well, takes time to learn those things, right? Like, okay. I think I, <laughs> I just had a conversation with somebody in their bed earlier this week. Okay. Where he was Do like, tell us. <laughs> oh, I saved it for, for this panel. Um, and he, he told me, Dane, I think that you can't be in a romantic relationship with your dom because he was my dom for a while and now it was becoming a bit, a bit more romantic uh, as it went. And, and uh, the more romantic it gets, the, the less able I am to get into my subspace and to be able to have that sort of submissive dominant power exchange. Okay, um, so let's back up for just a minute. So here you are. This was your dominant. So mm -hmm. you are hit, this person submissive. Yes. You start to develop more feelings that are m beyond the sexual... Yes, and that's mutual. the power exchange. So you, yeah. you both developed these feelings. And so then you f and then you called it, you call, said it subspace. Can you just describe a subspace for our listeners? Because sometimes we, I hear you guys right. throw these terms that you think everybody knows them, but not everybody knows these things. This is true. So subspace or submissive space, it's a mm -hmm. uh, sort of headspace. So a bit of an altered mental space um, that you can access as a submissive where it's sort of, uh, the rest of your brain starts to turn off a little bit and you're just really focused on uh, being submissive uh, and on gaining pleasure from the interactions of being submissive uh, with a dominant. Um, for people who haven't uh, experienced these sorts of altered uh, states of consciousness that you can access through BDSM, I think one of the most relatable ways of uh, of talking about it is it's almost like a really, really good yoga class. Okay. Yeah, yes, like when, you're, when you're actually just focused mm -hmm. on your body, mm -hmm. which takes practice, by the way. So, you yes. know, for people who are having done yoga for years, when I first started, ooh, it was difficult to get out of my head. But then you've, you, I think most people have felt it or a little bit of it at one point, and it's sort of the same thing with the, the subspace uh, okay. in BDSM play. You just have to learn how to access that, and then it's a, a really heightened. Uh, so it becomes a meditative state almost. Yep. Yeah. 
It can also be, uh, you, first of all, you can also get dom space. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. kind of get in the, the head space or the, you know, I'm I'm much meaner and stern and strict and and that when i'm in my headspace i'm i'm pretty You're nice acting then right well You're, no uh, it's just kind of like i i access that part of me okay. kind of you right, know i mean right. i i get all my you know authoritarian bitch out kind mm-hmm. of <laughs> you know, for a better because you term really of it. are a very sweet, sweet I woman. I am, right? I am, but you know, but you not s- when you're. I don't know if I'd want to see you. With no, your pro- you, you know, bitch I'm face on. <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. So they're yeah, very two different. It is things for you. Two different and, sides of you. And often, when in um in our relationships, we'll have some subs that are um, monogamous to us. Okay. We're not monogamous with them, them. but okay. they are with us. It it and then there's others that it'll be a much more casual relationship. Um But how do you determine that? Well, by the person. We've negotiated, we've talked about it. There's some that I uh how can I say it? They're like mine. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them to be with anybody else. They're not allowed to be around other doms because that's that's just the way that's negotiated. That's that's our that's kind of your power special, exchange. Right, that's your our power exchange. Whereas I'll have, like there's um, one that's uh, married to a friend of mine that has been for, you know, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, she's submissive and he's a dom over her. But she finds it very, very uncomfortable to dominate him. So I do. So she asked you to do it. Yeah. And I've been doing in. that for many years many many years now and okay. you know but that's negotiated yes and of course everybody freeway. knows what's going on well no she's not there oh oh she's not there so oh, that's goodness, the rule no. so she's not allowed to be there well that's, no and i don't think she wants to be either she because she doesn't be want to see her husband who's her dom in a submissive role uh, role right so often people will be like even even switches will often only be submissive to this person and dominant over that person and a lot won't switch back and forth with the same person got it yeah. i think okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the t- you and pierre so Catherine and pierre are in a couple yes and you've been together for how long 20 years yeah so you've been together 20 years and you have you always been in a, a consensual non-monogamous type of relationship not at first. Okay. Um, at beginning, uh, Catherine, Katie, was my submissive. And for health reasons, she had to stop being a submissive because there was some issues there. But how'd you meet then? Well, be- no, no. I was submissive when we met him. And you were, we you met. were a submissive when you met yes. But did you meet him on a site? Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. you met on a, yes, on a yes. site, BDSM site. Okay. And uh, when she White became dominant, mm-hmm. uh, we had to sit down and negotiate because... She could no longer be submissive. Uh, it was for health reason. It was actually becoming dangerous for her. Okay. And this is how we changed. So we're monogamous to each other, if I can say it like yes. this. But when I have my female sub, uh, I expect them to be monogamous with me about BDSM. Anything else, if they have boyfriend or uh, or husband or it's not my business, they do whatever they need to do. But okay. But the BDSM part belongs to me. I don't know if it makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I hear exactly. you. It's that, that special relationship and yep. that part is 
only you. You're the only. In other words, you're the only dominant for that submissive. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like being in, in like like non kink relationships, but having a relationship where you're fluid bonded with one person, and then. You're Explain. not with well fluid bonded being that you'll you'll play bear without condoms, uh, with your main partner. So you're fluid bonded to that person, and then you. I like that be, fluid bonded. Yeah, it's a very it's a very nineties term. Where did you get it's the a very nineties <laughs> okay. term? You're bonded by fluid. Yes. this is really what you're talking about. So barebacking yeah basically okay. yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, no condom yeah and and you're you you in, like i've had relationships like that where my main relationship would be with someone that i'm fluid bonded with that i only play bear with and then all other partners have to be safe um and and you know that that's other you know negotiations that's a whole other and, negotiation yeah yeah okay, but that's so i mean that comes with the territory in all relationships that are non-monogamous especially right so there's a lot of uh Everybody has to be comfortable. Well, A, everybody has to be comfortable. Everybody has to be on the same page. Uh, there are a lot of different rules. So coming up, I, I want to... Well, at least in the same manual. It, I don't know, on the same page. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. You got me. You got me. Uh, we're going to talk about more uh, more rules. What are things that are important to consider? A, if you want to be consensually non-monogamous or you want to enter into the world of a BDSM or a power exchange relationship. That's uh, coming up with our kink panel, Pierre, Catherine, Dane, and Gary uh, joining us as they do every month. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Our kink panel in studio, you can meet them personally on August 23rd during our 20-year anniversary party right here at the radio station where we will also do our live broadcast in front of a studio audience. This is by invitation only, so we have winners. It's a VIP event. If you want to go, just send me a text at 514-800 and tell me why you'd like to go. Make sure you include uh, your name. So this panel here, they will be at a table with stuff to show you, (laughs) actually. So it's going to be like an interactive Sexploration kind of uh, well, not to that degree. What did da, we da, da, sign da, up for? I know, right? Um, not that kind. Of, it's <laughs> just, you know, it's show and tell. That's really what it's going to be all about. Michael That's- writes, "Hello, doctor. I would love to come to the live show so I can finally meet the great Dan Laxer. He is a hoot. I follow him on Facebook. It would be an honor to meet CJD's Dan Laxer. What about me? <laughs> RDP loves passion. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking for all of RDP, I like that. <laughs> um, all right, we're talking about." Um, some of the myths too, right? And rules. So uh, people are confused. I, I suppose some people might be confused. So if you are in a, 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 a consensual non-monogamous relationship or an open relationship or a poly relationship, all words that we use to describe the same thing, some people think, oh, it's a, like a free-for-all. Mm. And it's not. Right. So let, let's talk about what the general rules are for these types of relationships and dispel this whole notion that it means you know it is a free-for-all well i mean there is different levels as well too i mean for me like i said i identify as poly to me poly is not just like an open relationship okay uh poly is more having uh intimate relationships with multiple people uh be there just like close friendships that can be intimate or to sexual partners Mm -hmm. or even long-term relationships like real real um 
building, life-building relationships. So if we look at the actual term, it's polyamory, which yeah. means multiple loves. Multiple loves, yeah. Right. Whereas in, uh, most open relationships are one main couple that will have some little side pieces here and there. Or will, right. With no will real be allowed attachment. To, yeah, yeah, will be allowed to have little trysts during weekends or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's definitely different levels, and there's obviously different requirements for all of them. Um, most open couples will have a, either sometimes a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy, right. or it's a, you know... Um, when I'm away or when you're away or, or things like that. Or, um, whereas polyamory, it's more, you kind of have to get along with all of your partners. Um, in the Does sense it, do that, all your other partners have I'm, to know everybody else? Everybody should, knows everybody? Well, most times. Yes. Because it's, it's kind of important that, that there is kind of a commonality as far as everyone knowing each other. They don't have to, and they also don't have to get along or want to have sex with each other or anything right. to that extent. But right. ha- having, it, like to me, a polyamorous like family is something about having multiple partners that all kind of work together to create a kind of happy home. Question for you. How on earth do you find the time? Like, <laughs> it's easy to just go have sex with someone. A lot harder to develop a relationship and give it the the nurturance. But it's the same thing with friendships. I mean, it, you're, you give a lot of time to your friends. Uh, I give a lot of time to my friends. Just so happens that most of my friends I'm also sleeping with. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be Gary's friend? <laughs> August, <laughs> August 23rd. What do you think, Dane? Well, <laughs> so I, I currently am in a relationship with four other people. Okay. Uh, we call it sort of like a pack dynamic, and that comes from the... So everybody's having sex with everybody else also, or just you and four people? has had sex, I think, with everybody else in the pack at one point or another, but we all have different dynamics with one another. Um, and uh, we're actually most of us are long distance so three of them are in uh in chicago Mm. Uh, so i only see them once uh once in a while once every couple of months um and what's interesting like two of the ones in chicago uh have very different uh ways that they want to know about my sexual partners in montreal okay like one of them he wants to know about everybody who i uh, play with in montreal he likes to hear the details it's exciting for him and then he feels like that's building a a bond of trust uh, trustworthiness Mm -hmm. um whereas the other partner he absolutely does not want it's it's a don't ask don't tell policy like i can have sex with whoever i want that's totally fine but he does not want to hear about it because he doesn't like to picture that so two partners two separate sets of rules exactly Um, and so it's really just a matter of figuring out what works for which person Um, and one of the things that I found most useful when I was first getting into this world and bear in mind this is not the only way to think about it but breaking it down between primary partnerships and secondary partnerships Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the poly world so that primary partner uh, and there, you could have one, you could have two primary partners, maybe a couple. These are the people who provide that really vital uh, connection, whatever you determine is vital in your relationships, mm-hmm. versus a secondary partner is someone who still holds a lot of, of meaning, but it's it's someone who, to whom the, the connection is, is secondary to that primary partnership. Um, and so depending on what you negotiate with your primary mm-hmm. partner, your secondary partners might have to, you know, be flexible with that. All sounds so complicated. Like I'm all for monogamy. It just 
lessens the complications, you know? It's like, <laughs> I'm all about simple living. Like, to me, that's just... Well, uh, for me, I was I was monogamous for 35 years of my Were life. Were you? So, yeah, I okay. was monogamous growing up, and I could never consider having multiple partners. And it wasn't until my ex-husband, like, brought it up because he uh, was exploring um, uh, getting into porn and doing things like that. And he was like, well, if I'm going to be able to go out and have fun, even if it is just on camera... I want you to be able to have that enjoyment as well. So we really explored, and our, our big, you know, thing that we we went into was reading the Ethical Slut. Uh, it's a like wonderful book that everyone should read if they have okay. any interest in polyamory at all. Uh, written by women, and it's a wonderful but very '70s kind of mentality of mm-hmm. of what polyamory could be. Um, but still, it was a very good eye opener to me on what it wasn't just going out and having sex with as many people as you wanted. It was actually building these meaningful relationships. And once I got into it, it was no turning back. Like I could never real, could never go back to being monogamous again. Wow. So once you open that door, which is also why sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for when you're in a relationship and you think it's something you want. Cause I've seen that happen, unfortunately. And then it actually happens. And one or both partners can't handle it. Yeah. And it's like, but you open oh, the yeah. door, you know, you're like, it's almost like some, I had one one couple like the guy pushed her through the door. Never mind, like and she finally did, and she liked it, mm. and he didn't, and yet he was the one who pushed it, right? So now suddenly, what happens? It's uh, so which is why these rules and negotiations and discussions are uh, super important. Like you have to know what you're comfortable with, and it's continuous. Like no relationship starts the same way it ends or continues. Um, all of my relationships in all of my uh, my poly relationships have all cre- like upped and down. Some mm-hmm. of I you know have have disappeared for months or years and come back into my life later. And it's you know it's it's, it's totally ongoing. Yeah, uh, this texter writes, "What a situation within which STIs can flourish. No matter how careful they are, the risks are enormous. Sounds horrific. Maybe address that for all of you who have multiple wow. partners in terms of." Um, you know, I don't think that the risks are enormous if you play safe, but let's let's but talk about it, what that it, means. Having sex with one partner puts you at risk of having an STI. Every time you have sex, you're at risk of having an STI. It doesn't matter if you have one partner or 20 partners. So to well, make Well, the more it, partners you have, the more at risk you are. As depending on how you play. Right. So depending that's where on, we want to go. And that's right. the thing. Like I'm not like uh, for me my, I I have uh, polyamorous relationships with my my partners. My partners have other relationships as well, but we all know uh, where we stand as far as I don't play with people that don't get tested. That's one of my main rules. All right. So coming up, I want to continue this conversation about how do you play it safe? How do you, when you have multiple partners, how do you make sure that uh, you keep STIs at bay or what's the testing protocol? With Dr. Lori Batida on CJAD 800. With our King panel tonight, we're talking about rules, negotiations, compromises, all of this in alternative types of relationships, whether they are power exchange relationships like BDSM relationships or uh, alternative types of relationships. We've been talking to uh, Gary and uh, to Dane, who are both in poly. Uh, amorous relationships themselves and the issue came up from one of our texters about STIs and um, you know how do you keep when you have so many I don't want to say so many when you have multiple partners how do you do that how do you negotiate that 
Yeah, so uh, the person who texted in had a bit of a took of a bit of harf, a bit of a harsh approach to right. STIs, and so saying it's horrific. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. saying it's horrific. And so for me, one of the first things that I I want to ask people is, you know, S- what's so bad about most of the STIs out here? You know, like we hear of people being afraid of, you know, chlamydia, syphilis, gonorrhea, whatever it is, but we're also afraid of, you know, strep throat in the winter, the flu, like nobody wants to get any cold. Right. Um, and outside of the context of sex, a lot of these are, are very similar uh, conditions. Uh, they're just treated with antibiotics. Mm-hmm. They're totally mm-hmm. treatable. It just has the stigma because it is, you know, an, a sexually transmitted infection. Right. right. Um, uh, but outside of that, there are of course many steps that that we take in these relationships to uh mitigate our risks you know uh, i talk to all of my partners about what kind of precautions they're taking when they're playing whether they're using condoms or whether they're on prep uh to prevent uh, uh acquisition of hiv or mm-hmm. if they're hiv positive if they're on their antiretrovirals um and then usually most people who are in polyamorous relationships where there's a lot of play going on we have pretty rigorous uh testing regimens so people okay. get tested every Usually every three months. Okay. Um, and so this I, is something that's regularly negotiated. That you un- that is an understanding. If you're playing as frequently as I, and I'm just gonna make the assumption, Gary. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's responsible to it's responsible to get tested that frequently, just so you know you're you're taking care of your body and you're also respecting. Uh, right. Even your, though your you're partner. still protecting yourself while you're having sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're fluid. What's the well, word? But it, fluid bonded. And fluid bonded. But yes. even still, I mean, there's protection. I mean, you know, gonorrhea and chlamydia, you can get in with, the, in the in throat pretty also. easily. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a, a, you know, a difficult, unfortunately a difficult thing to get. Um, but I, yeah, it's, Herpes. it's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, all those things. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, it's a matter of like being communicative with your partners. And like I, I was saying, I don't play with guys that don't get tested. Or don't get tested regularly because I want my health to be good. I don't want my partners to be healthy and I want us all to continue to stay healthy. So playing with someone that doesn't know their health from month to month or year to year, that's not healthy to right. me. So what I'm hearing from the two of you guys is a lot of boundaries. Like your boundaries are very clear, mm-hmm. very, very clear. And I think that that's a, a big, like we need to underline that because mm-hmm as they should be in, in sexual relationships where when we talk about, you know, out, let's say not alternative relationships, but when we talk about consent and we talk about other things, it's not, the boundaries are not so clear. Mm-hmm. So we can learn a lot just by listening to people who are in alternative uh, sexual relationships to hear and to learn those skills. Like, how do you negotiate this? How, like, how do you set those boundaries? Because you guys seem to do it so well. Actually, what about Catherine, you who are in the, the let's say, the straight community? Uh, well, one thing is, is a lot of uh, heterosexual BDSM relationships, unless it's like the primary relationship, you often don't have uh, traditional intercourse. Okay. So often a lot of toys would be used. For instance, if you're using uh, dildos, uh, I really like glass ones. Right. Um, because they can be washed and like sterilized really well. Right. Um, I'll still additionally often wrap them or, or put a condom on them, mm-hmm. um, you know, for easy cleanup um, beforehand too. So a lot of it's, it's you know, looking at, at safety that way. Right. Um, and of course there's, uh, we don't, um, there's some toys that we won't share. Like sometimes some subs will have their own toys. Okay. Which would only be used on them. But we're, we're like, 
pretty um, obsessive in keeping everything clean and and sterilized and sterile and right and safe play. So very little exchange of bodily fluids, I think, is what you're yes it, saying. It, sometimes BDSM. sometimes okay. that could happen, but not usually. Okay, so that's or the, I think that gloves or mm-hmm. condoms and right the shield. Well, these are two different ways of approaching right you're in the bdsm world like you said it's not always about the it's not about the intercourse it's about the the play and the scene and exactly all of that you know there's some people that um do bdsm that don't consider it sexual Right. And um, yes, there's a lot of dominatrix that I've spoken to who also say they do no sex whatsoever. They just. Uh, Yes. So um, often it it won't be sexual. Often it is, but there's different, you know, levels or levels of intimacy depending on its. Different negotiations, different rules. With everybody. Right. Uh, this texture says, you sure need to trust a multitude of people. Even with testing, you cannot keep tabs on everybody involved on a 24-7 basis after the testing. Any of them catch something after a negative result, I'd rather get a minor infection in my sinuses than any STIs. Well, sometimes the sinuses, you sinus infection, you need the same antibiotics to treat the sinus infection or the chlamydia. <laughs> Also, a right. lot of STIs just present without any any, any symptoms, symptoms at all. Way rather that sinus infection. Right, right. Well, maybe. But again, the 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 regular testing is really where it's at. And, and communication, actually, yeah. and really communication. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, this it can happen to the you know an an, an outbreak of an STI can happen to anybody in a poly or a non poly relationship or a non monogamous or monogamous relationship. Things happen. Um, as you know, you, you, you mentioned earlier to the, the, uh, writer in the woman that presented with HPV 15 years mm-hmm. after her marriage, mm-hmm. you never know when things can pop up. So it, it could be something that happens in your monogamous relationship as well. And it shouldn't be treated like it's the end of the world. An STI is an STI. It's not the end of your life. It is something that's most of the times easily treated and you move on with your day. Well, I think there's a lot of work to be done to destigmatize also. But if people were aware of the sheer numbers of people with STIs, I mean, it's also on the rise in Quebec. The numbers are pretty high. Like syphilis jumped up 178%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where did syphilis yeah. come back from? You know, it was dead for the longest time. Uh, so uh, this is happening. Somebody is upset with you for downplaying and and minimizing the seriousness of uh, of an STI as compared to airborne or other infections. Um, but again, it's it's how you look at this. Obviously, nobody wants to get any infection, no. whether it's a sinus infection or an STI. It's not a question of minimizing; it's a question of protecting. And it's a question of destigmatizing. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm saying that an STI is nothing. I'm saying an STI is not going to be the end of your world, just like a cold or the flu isn't. It's bad. It's, I mean, people die. Like of it's the, not of the fun, cold. right? Yeah, people die of the cold and flu all the time, but you're not preventing yourself from interacting with people during cold and flu season so it's the same thing with stis you mitigate your risk you communicate with your partners and you move on and if something happens it happens and you get treated right that's it just don't ignore it don't ignore it don't ignore Mm -hmm. it absolutely guys what a pleasure always to speak with you always learn so much so for our listeners the next time you will see or hear our king panel august 23rd 
join us uh, on uh, for our big anniversary party. If you want to join us, you have to send me a text at 514-800 and let me know why you'd like to uh, to join our celebration. You can also send me an email to laurie at drlaurie.com. Tonight's winners are Michael and Claude. Both our winners will get in touch with you and tell you how to... Um, you know, we'll tell you about the guest list and give you the deets about what time you need to be there, et cetera, et cetera. But it's going to be fun, and they're going to have a booth there. These guys uh, are going to have a booth, and we'll show you stuff that you, I think, will find quite uh, eye-opening and interesting. They're just going to show you things. They're not going to show you, like, stuff stuff, okay? <laughs> just to be clear. I'm just showing my tattoos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're just there to take pictures, oh, that selfies. Exactly. He's just there for the selfies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Well, I, I look forward to uh, see what kind of stuff you actually bring. Uh, Catherine, I look forward to your outfit more than anything. <laughs> oh, hey. We're setting you up. We're setting you up. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's it for me, guys. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll catch up again uh, real soon. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for your text messages. Uh, thanks to our technical producer, Chris. Uh, and uh, if you want to connect with me on social media, at Dr. Lori Batito. Where do people connect with you, Catherine? DSMcircle.com. And with you, Dane? You can find our human pup group for Montreal, Woof MTL, on Facebook. And you, Gary? That will be Mr. Bear MTL on Instagram. Wonderful. You could just walk in the shop. Or and in see, the shop. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> in the village. There you go. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Mm-hmm.